Welcome to another episode of the Summer Racing Podcast. One of the better programs of the entire carnival is upon us, headlined by the Kevin Sharkey Elwick Stakes in Hobart. It's been hard to find a time this week where my podcast partner could put down his plasterboard, but we've got an hour or so on a Friday afternoon. Bear Robinson, how are you, mate? G'day, Snap. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it's been a busy week, but um, I look forward to our uh, hour of discussing Tasmanian racing, so hopefully we have some good content in the next hour today, mate. Well, we'll need to keep it snappy. We've got a, another big podcast. Uh, we saw, well, you had a chat. I was listening in to, uh, to Nick Foote, who some of our listeners might not know of the Two Units podcast and website, and he's an AFL umpire, if you don't mind, not just a, a footy umpire, actually in the AFL, so... He's kind of a big deal. He's a Tassie boy, and it was good to hear his thoughts on racing and, and how he goes about it. Uh, we'll quickly recap the three meetings that have that have been uh, held since we last did our podcast, and a huge program in Hobart, no less than five feature races, Bear. So uh, that's where we'll spend most of our, our time. But uh, I might just start with you. We'll do a little quick round the grounds. We had Devonport Cup Day last Wednesday, a uh, very quick backup into Launceston on Friday and, and again, Lonnie, on Wednesday night. What caught your eye? I thought uh, Devonport Cup Day was a great day. I actually love the training uh, performance of Glenn Stevenson on Turk Warrior. They obviously identified after the 1,200-metre new market that potentially they weren't going to be able to get a victory um, in any of the way for age races. So they've really targeted to uh, their horse, the carpet charge, which obviously was worth nearly 70000 to the winner. And that was a great ride and a great training performance. And I think uh, going forward, that horse is still going to be very, very hard to beat in the way for age race at Launceston. Is that next week, the 1200 or the week uh, after? Yeah, it's the Friday program. The Launceston Guineas and the Ladbroke Stakes are on that program. Yeah, and I've, I've heard a whisper that uh, Rebel Factor will be among the nominations for that race. Yep, beautiful. And also on the day, obviously, Ziggy uh, wins another cup. Daniel Gansden was very stiff. He rode a peach on the wolf and um, was just just went down narrowly. But I, I actually, probably the um, the Wells family had a great day as well. But I think going forward, if you see Brendan McCool engaged in any of Michael Trinder's horse, um, it's probably a good punting sort of proposition. Uh, Brendan was able to jump right hook out and was never going to lose and Paid seven fifty eight dollars. So um, yeah, that, that was a great day's racing. Friday probably wasn't didn't fill me with that much enthusiasm. To be perfectly honest, snap. Um, Wednesday was a little bit the same, but uh, definitely all roads lead to Hobart on Sunday. It's a cracking days of racing out there. Yeah, punters didn't have any favours with that Friday meeting. Sort of the the Wednesday acceptances, you're getting through Cup Day, then all of a sudden the the prices are out. Come lunchtime, thought uh, Thursday, I was making the drive back from Devonport. I'd only done half the card, which I had to do before I checked out of the accommodation in Devonport on the Thursday. Uh, and yeah, so that was interesting. But a couple of thoughts from me. Uh, Carpet Charge, we touched on it, I think, in, in Snap Special. Just a huge success uh, off the track as well. It was great to see all the sporting clubs involved. A really good story with the Rosebury Athletics Club actually drew uh, Turk Warrior. And I think a few of the Athletics boys were old sparring partners of Steve-O on the footy ground. So it was an interesting subplot to see <laughs> them win and a really good story too. Uh, great race, two progressive horses sort of fought it out in the end, Turk Warrior and Emily uh, and 
we touched on it before, but I mean, Turk Warrior probably doesn't really have anywhere to go after the new market without that race and, and seeing Steve O and Ismail and, and Connection celebrate that win. It, it was as big to them as any of the wins that he's had so far in his career. So really well done to all involved. Uh, you mentioned Team Wells. I was lucky enough to get on the right side of a couple of them, but a real lesson going forward, watch out for Team Wells <laughs> on Devonport Cup Day. Uh, they'll be good for a sting or two. They had three winners there. Uh, Launceston on the quick backup, it, it was a tough one. Unfortunately, Bear, after trying to get hold of Super Swoop at 41s and 81s and big prices, he did the job at at four dollars. Too soon, mate. Don't go there again, please. <laughs> yeah, we we call that one uh, having a, a chat with Jack Higgins, who I'm sure will be listening to the pod at some point. Oh. We, we call that one the reverse boost when they win the the start after you jump off at about the tenth of the price. So uh, that was fun. And just on the Wednesday night program. There were a couple of really good stories, but there were a few for the tape watchers, and credit to you, this was one that you found from, we'll call them battling stables, they don't have big numbers, Kings on Queens for Rod Seymour and Swing King for Mark Everett. Kings on Queens was just a horror watch, stuck in traffic, bottled up, went to line untested. Swing King, four wide, no cover on speed. A couple of good old-fashioned watch the tapes, and and they put up big prices. They were backed accordingly, and, and if you did get the odds, you were pretty happy with what transpired on both of those, straight to the front, get in the queue. So uh, well done to everyone that found those couples. So... The racing's been good. They're coming thick and fast, and then we're into the Hobart program on Sunday where, yeah, we've got five feature races. The Elwick Stakes for the two-year-old Summer Cup, Lady Lynette, 1,000 Guineas and Black Flash. But before we discuss those, Bear, a special guest on the podcast this week was a mate of yours, uh, Nick Foote of the, the Two Units podcast. Let's have a listen to that chat. We recorded that on Wednesday this week. Very lucky this week, our special guest on the Summer Racing Podcast is a Tasmanian that's well known in the um, big circles of uh, the Melbourne racing scene in Nick Foot. Nick, welcome to our podcast. Bear, Snapper, thanks for uh, having me on, boys. I'm very excited. Now, this is big, mate. Like, you're part of the, uh, the biggest racing podcast in Australia. Well, that's what you told me off here, so... No, I'll... For those I'll that I'll happily own that on air as well. There, the uh, the two. If you're not, if you can't be a fan of your own product, what's the uh, what's the point of getting involved in doing it, mate? That's true. And I, I think Nick, obviously, you're part of the the two units podcast with uh, the Sultan. I think definitely you're the brains of that operation. Am I correct there? One hundred percent. So he sort of just waltzes in, delivers the form, and and goes home, mate. But uh, some I, I appreciate you recognising the work that goes on behind the scenes. Just like um, who's the who's running the show here at Taz Racing? Is it is Snapper got the the technical side of things, Bear, or what's the setup here? Oh, geez, that's probably an RFI for me, so I've probably got to give it to Snapper at this stage, <laughs> early in our careers. Bears, bears, bears the talent. I'm, I'm doing all the hard grunt work behind the scenes. <laughs> I love it. Well, I could tell, I could, that was a loaded question, Snapper, because I think Bear wanted to, uh, record this podcast on a, uh, on a phone call. And I was like, come on, Bear, you, you owe it to your listeners to have a little bit better quality than that. Very true. Well, I did go home yesterday and snap and, and uh Nick and Googled what you suggested I do yesterday, Nick, but I just didn't have quite enough time to uh organise this Zoom meeting myself. So <laughs> ever reliable snapper stepped up. Now, 
we better get into it because I know you're, you're a man. You're off to a, a camp tomorrow, I believe. For those that don't know also, Nick uh, is Tasmanian-born. Um, he's also an AFL umpire uh, who's umpired 186 games. Nick, is that right? It's around that. Yeah, it'd be yeah. around 180 odds. So, yeah, I've been at it for, well, I think this is my coming up to my 12th season this year on on the senior list. So they're just flying by, Bear. It was a long time ago when I was umpiring you in the SFL Premier League reserves at KG5 <laughs> and North Hobart Oval. Give you the red hot tip. Well, I, I, I've got to correct you there, mate. I actually think you turned my career around. I was at the crossroads. Brendan Bolton had dropped me week on, week out. And then for some reason, Glenn Frame stepped in and gave me an opportunity. And I think you and uh, young Benny Leonard umpired us out at KG5. And I actually got uh, a couple of three votes two weeks in a row. So I just, I never looked back after that game. So I really thank you for uh, for you giving me a couple of soft free kicks. I think I was playing no on a bloke called Justin Harvey back in the day at Hobart and had 25. Oh, he wore, did he wear the helmet? He wore the lid. No, nah, that was his brother. That was his brother. Oh, okay. Gee, it's not a bad memory yeah. though. It was banger Harvey, was it? That's him. Yeah, I remember him. There you go. Yeah, Big listener yeah. of the show, apparently. Yeah, I can just see him punting, sitting with Snapper in a TAB <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon, betting on Hobart races. Now, you're a qualified school teacher as well. I really want to know how you got it past Claire to just sit on the couch one night and say, I'm going to chuck in school teaching and I'm going to put all my love and attention into the horse racing game and start this podcast, mate. Can you explain how that went down? It was a very one-way conversation, to be honest, uh, Bear. No, my, my wife, Claire's incredibly supportive of what I want to do. But I guess the the way the podcast came around was I actually worked with um, Dave Strelaw, the, the Sultan, who's on, on the show. We shared an office as PE teachers um, for a couple of years. And there was, it got to a point where there was more conversation around who's stripping fitter and stepping up to the mile on the weekend as opposed to uh, pedagogical studies, I guess you could put it in that for the classroom. So the form uh, certainly dominated the conversation and he sort of was pretty active on Twitter and had a big following. And I sort of said to him, hey, mate, we should start a podcast because we go on that many coffee walks and just talk about racing. So let's um, put it out in the airwaves and sort of see who who listens. And it took off and was, was pretty well received. And, um, you know, we've had some great support with sponsors like, uh, um, I won't, obviously can't mention probably Corpse on this show, but we've had some great, um, yeah, sponsors hop on board and sort of make it worthwhile as well. And I don't know, I was just sitting on the couch one night, a Sunday night prior to going to, to work in term one. And I was just feeling a little bit anxious and not wanting to go. And I don't, I'm a firm believer if you don't like doing something, just just don't do it. And teaching something you can sort of fall back on. And I said to Claire, hey, I'm going to give teaching a rest and, and give this a bit more of a crack. And um, she was really supportive. And, yeah, 12 months down the track, um, you know, we've launched our own two units racing service. Um, that's twounits.com.au with, you know, fully full racing content, staking plans, things like that. So the business is going along well and we're still doing the podcast and it's just heaps of fun. It just honestly doesn't feel like work. That's perfect. Actually, for those listeners out there that haven't listened to the podcast, I highly recommend it. Last week probably went a little bit off topic though in the podcast. You want to elaborate a little bit on the Sultan's oh, massage experience or how we speak sorry. about that? Well, I'll let I'll let the Taz Racing fans hop on and decide. But yeah, <laughs> the first part of our show, like we we'll, I guess the first sort of fifteen minutes of our show, 
we've got a lot of friends and a lot of people that probably aren't as interested in solely racing. So the first sort of 10, 15 minutes every week is a little bit of chat about everything before we get into the, um, before we get into the form. So sort of brings in some different new listeners, but, uh, it occasionally gets a little bit naughty and gets off topic. And, uh, <laughs> last week was our first episode back for 2023 and it was no exception, Bear. No, it was, it was well worth listening. I did get a good laugh out of it. Um, obviously th- things are going really well, mate. You've been lucky enough to have a little segment on RSN. You actually replaced Dean Lester and Hamish McLaughlin. So, that's a pretty big deal. So you are a big, big name. But now you've got a show on uh, SEN called Turn a Foot, mate. Can you explain how that came about? Yeah, so I started doing some work at RSN with uh, Gareth Hall, who uh, I believe you guys have had on your show, and he's just he's just such a great fella and, um, you know, incredibly easy to get along with and work with, and he's supportive, of, I guess, of new people in the industry too, because I, like, it's probably important to say, like, whilst I grew up a racing fan, I wasn't a diehard from an early age, very much through sort of 2016 onwards, I really, really started getting into racing over here. Um, so, you know, in terms of the racing scene, I wasn't one of those big traditionalists. I was sort of a bit late to it. And, and Gareth's really supportive of, I guess, helping people do what they want to do. And he uh, got us on um, to do a two-unit show in RSN, and he flicked over to SEN Track, and he was sort of handing me every week saying, come to SEN Track. It's, you know, what you're all about. It's young guys doing things a bit different. And um, so I finally bit the bullet and, and went over there and I've started a show with him and, and uh, Hugh Fitzpatrick, who's the um, digital SEN digital guy over there and um, content. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and a really lighthearted look at racing from week to week, just things that caught our eye. We do a little bit of the Wednesday form. We get some guests on. We actually uh, had Michael Browley on today, just talking about he's the uh, CEO of the Mooney Valley race club talking about, um, obviously the, the news around moving the Cox plate a month back. So there's a little bit of a serious element to it, but we get Mitchie beer on every week as well to chat to him. Who's a good friend of mine and, and ours at two units. So yeah, it's just a lot of fun, mate. And it's a, it's a good way to sort of dip your toe into the media world, I guess. Yeah. And as you say, Gareth makes you feel very comfortable and he, I think he's really good for the industry and, and his knowledge is second to none. Like what he doesn't know about racing is probably not worth knowing. So oh, just, I called, I, just him a, I called him a sicko this morning. Like he was talking <laughs> about pacing and yeah. chasing and then he's flicking back to the Cox Plate stuff. I'm like, how do you know all this stuff? Like yeah. understanding the thoroughbreds is just in one jurisdiction is hard enough. Like you guys are doing it so well in Tassie, but understanding racing in every jurisdiction mm. is a bloody challenge. You mustn't sleep, mate. Now, you mm. just touched on then 2016 was when you sort of got the real love for racing. And that, I reckon that was about the time that you wouldn't have seen me, but I've seen you at uh, Flemington in the members and you had the chinos rolled up, no socks sort of uh, a tie going on. I thought, geez, footy's definitely changed since those days of KG5 running around with a whistle with Benny Leonard. So um, <laughs> how did it sort of, how did the love grow then, I suppose, mate? Like, was it just living in Melbourne and it, spring carnival gets very consuming and you don't want to miss out or, or was there other aspects that caused you to actually fall in love with the game? Yeah, it was just, it was, it was, it was gradual for me. Like, because I used to love going like Hobart cup was my number one day on the calendar when I lived in Tassie in terms of like um, partying with mates and, and my, 
my dad, Kevin, he had a, used to get a super sight every year at Elwick Week and all my mates had come along and that sort of sparked my love of racing. But then I guess moving to Melbourne, I actually moved into a place at Kensington, which you could throw a rock onto the, to the, um, bloody, 1400 meter start from my place so like living so close to hq i'm like well i'm not a footy member i'm not a cricket member like mcc or anything like that i'm going to invest and get a vrc membership and 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 support a club or or something in in melbourne that way and um yeah they just built the new stand at flemington so they had these offers for younger members to come in and that was sort of how i really fell in love with racing and we'll just head to pretty much every meet at flemington and start doing the form a little bit more and then um you know friends i made through footy and then through obviously teaching were heavily involved in racing too so the passion you sort of bounce off each other and it grows and um yeah, I just absolutely love it now. I couldn't, couldn't imagine a spring um, or a, should I say a footy off season without going to the races. Yeah. And I'm lucky enough to be a member of the VRC as well. And I, I don't think there's a, there's a club in Australia that would be as good as they are. Like the engagement they have on in terms of letting members know what's going on. And I was lucky enough when I became a full member, I got invited to the chairman's club for, uh, for a day on oh, the source, which how, is awesome. How good is it there? Oh. <laughs> it's next level. Seriously. <laughs> I've turned up thinking I've got to pay for my beers along the way. And I'm like, no, 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 open tab here, son. <laughs> yes. No, Mr. Robinson, your money is no good here. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> no, nah, it's brilliant. And like, as well, just the facility itself, like it's yeah. a lot of racetracks around Australia. You feel like you take a step into 1972 at some yeah. of the facilities, like the new stand there and stuff at Flemington's off its head. I mean, if anyone gets a chance out there to get to the rooftop bar, um, I highly mm. recommend it there, like especially after the last, that's probably what you really crave is Nick is that DJ <laughs> bouncing those tunes out. Like some of those older, more mature people probably stand out in the balcony and sip on a vodka lime and soda, but I'm sure you'd be right in front of the DJ after the last. You're painting a very, <laughs> very particular picture about me here, Bear, but no, I don't mind getting up there. John Corse yeah. spins a good set up there on yeah. the rooftop. You'd just be shitty. You can't take your top off, mate. <laughs> oh, no, nah. the top's on, mate. Trust me. It's particularly that time of year, there's a few few carbs going into the body. And, yeah, the, I'm, I'm wearing a double-breasted jacket at that time of the year. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, so you touched on you uh, You guys send a lot of form out to subscribers. How long, do, how long does Nick Foot spend on doing the form and uh, paint your ideal um, scenario in terms of how you do your form best? Like what's, what's the go-to? I, I heard you like watching the cricket in the background at times while you're doing a bit of form. Yeah. I think te- like sitting on, I've just renovated my house and I've got a, like a new little deck set up there and sitting in the Since sun. The podcast the cricket on. Playing well, you've renovated <laughs> no, the I've, got, I've got myself a sugar mama. Don't worry about the podcast. It's all, it's all wifey. Um, so yeah, I guess like from a, from a like just be important, I guess, just to preface it by with the subscription side of things, like I'm, I don't actually sell my tips. It's not something that I, I'd like to do, but, um, it's, it's, that's Sultan. He's the number one tipster at two units and it's his package there. But obviously I do my form. Uh, I, I study very hard for it for the podcast where I'll give a few tips each week, um, in our spec segment there. But I just love, um, yeah, sitting back. There's nothing better than this time of year, bit of sun, bit of test cricket, 
um, getting a little bit of a little bit of a tan as well. Um, if you can't tone it, tan it, bear. So um, it's good to get the rig out and <laughs> do that while you're doing the form, mate. But um, yeah, very very relaxed approach for me, and it, it's it's really I think it's quite like quite cathartic doing the form, like because you don't worry about anything else. You just lock yourself away and think about the races and and look through replays and jump outs and some figures and things like that. It's it's a really nice um, process. I really enjoy it. Oh, that's good, mate. I do have a few hard-hitting questions, and the last question I ask will be the hardest-hitting. Um, mm. Now, have you had a chance, firstly, to look at our program on Sunday, Summer Cup? I had a brief look over the Summer Cup. I did. I, yeah. I looked into that race because I thought I bet better look into the feature if I'm going to go yeah. onto the Taz yeah, Racing, yeah. the number one Taz Racing podcast in the world. So if I'm going to go onto that, I better look <laughs> the into only the feature one. race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't sell yourself short. There might be surely the Bev Show or someone out there does one as well, mate. Surely. It's oh not no, just actually, you. Bev retweets our thing when it goes on Twitter. So um, obviously okay. he listens in. Shout out yeah. to the Bev. Excellent, Bev. Great man. Um, now, yeah, just before at... you give me a tip, now, yeah. Snapper has a love affair with a horse in this race, and mm. I think you actually tipped to win the Devonport Cup last week as well. Yes. So you guys get along well. Yeah, well, I'm, I'll be interested. Well, Snapper's the expert, so I'm happy to see what he says about this. But I just, I sort of looked at three key runners in the race, and and the Swoop Dog is is one of those key runners, and the horse in form, and like that Longford Devonport Cup double is, you know, good going, but there has to be question marks on him over the trip because he's only had two goes at it. it was hot favorite a couple of years ago in that, uh, the Taz Derby where was beaten by the demolition Derby himself in explosive Jack mm-hmm. that day. And then in this race last year, followed that same form line through the Devonport Cup and finished ninth, seven and a half lengths down the track. I'm not sure if there was an issue with the vets or not there, but um, look, rising three kilos in this race uh, off that prep, I'm not sure is a horse that I want to continue to stick with. Um, I'll thank you for the fill up in the Devonport Cup, but uh, is a horse in form that stands off the page. The interesting one, I think, is Dark Dream, who comes over the class, arguably the class of the field somewhat, but has been competitive on the Country Cup circuits in Victoria and New South Wales. And he's second up here off a of freshen. And last time he followed that same setup, he was only three and a half lengths off Banker's Choice and a tissue in, a, in the $500,000 Ballarat Cup. And those two, I think, would start very short in a race mm, like true. this. But the knock on him is he just doesn't like winning. Like he, I think he's won one from 17 in Australia since returning from Hong Kong for the Hayes team. So it's pretty hard again to dive into someone like that. The, the horse who really stood out to me and I just watched the replay before of, um, her last start was Glass Warrior and, and she looks like she's back to her best. And that last start run over 2100 in Hobart was enormous because she sustained a three, four wide run for the best part of 1200 meters yeah. and was still pretty strong through the line. So it's also probably important to know here that that's the best figure she's run since the Launceston Cup win in 2021. So I think from barrier four, she could be a little closer in the run and she's the one I've got on top, but it looks a really interesting race. And it's really hard to assess a market when there's not any price stuff as well. So I certainly won't be diving in. Um, Wednesday to Sunday, it's a big ask, Bear, but I hope I've given you something there for the Summer Cup. Well, I'm actually agreeing with you, mate. Um, Glass Warriors' win to the eye was spectacular last start. And she obviously drops a couple of kilos, and a lot of the others she beat home go up five. So I think you're on the money there. 
I agree with Swoop Dog. Probably got to be a question mark of the trip. Last year was brutally run from memory snapper. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, there might be a question mark over the trip for the Swoop Dog, but I'm sure Snap will find a, an area to put it in the, the numbers, no doubt. Um, Rightio, you've done your research there, Nick, so thanks for that. Now, just a few questions to finish off. Favourite track? Mm. Uh, Flemington. Yeah, I thought so. Favourite horse? Um, it's... It's a bit of a it's a bit of a left of center one this one, but one of my favourite names who was what didn't win a stack, but Osborne Bulls I thought was one of the absolute cult heroes of mine in the Godolphin. I loved Aussie Bulls. Good VFL football, I reckon. Didn't quite make it at <laughs> AFL level. One hundred percent. That's a great analogy. <laughs> favorite jock. Um, this is a isn't this just a fluid question? Um, I'd mm. have to say. I'd have to say James McDonald. Yeah, yeah. Extraordinarily yeah. good. Best yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, got any good punting stories for the listeners? I mean, just before you answer that, Gareth told us a tragic story where he had a horse going for 100K and it got oh. beat on the line and then he had to interview the winning driver. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not going to top that, but <laughs> I do. I've, I've had a couple of sick losses. I'm not a huge futures punter and – Back in 2019, I had like a three-leg futures all up and I just threw just like a $50 bonus bet at it thinking, yep. you know, whatever, see how we go. You know, bonus bets, they feel like free money sometimes, yeah. so you just turf them out there. And I had the bonus bet on, it was Elise to win the Futurity, um, Mystic Journey to win the Oz Guineas, and... Yep. Avilius to win the Australian Cup. Oh, so no. <laughs> in that order. So you get Futurity, Elise, bang, I think six or seven bucks. Um, yep. Then obviously Mystic Journey, who got to go back to your question, she'd have to be there in one of my favorite horses too. Um, Oz Guineas goes, goes Wooshka, does it. Yep. Um, and then it's all coming down to Avilius in the Australian Cup. And this is 250 to one, this, um, this bonus bet. So you're looking at sort of 12, 12 and a half grand or yeah. something. I think it was. And, uh, I was pretty confident. I remember I was go- I was driving from the gold coast to Lismore on this day because I was doing like a preseason cup match in Lismore for whatever reason, there was a game there and stopped off at Byron Bay for lunch. And I was just remember just thinking about this race the entire day. And it was just getting going from bad to worse the entire day because um, Hugh Bowman was having a few issues. He rode Aussie Bulls that day, rode second, got beat by um, Sunlight, got a mm. rock thrown at him as he came back to the mountain yard. And then he um, then he went home. He stopped riding for the rest of the day. So then Corey Brown replaced him on a Villiers in the Oz Cup and he was um, favourite, blowing out at the gates. And then, um, yeah, didn't run well. And in the vets, I think, had some eye infection as well, Avilius. So everything that could go wrong went wrong that day. Um, and I'm not a big guy of laying off. I'm all about letting it ride. So um, I just caught the loss, mate. I reckon he got hit over the head with a whip in the last 100, 150, just from memory. Yeah, okay. I'm, pr- I'm, I'm pretty sure someone gave him some choice words for the ride on Aussie Bulls too. Yeah, I don't blame him. Now, this is the hardest hitting question I can ask you. Right. So it's sort of similar to how he asked him, do you have pineapple on pizza at the end of his podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now, 2012, round two, Saints mm. v. Suns, Nick mm. Foots on debut as an umpire. Mm-hmm. 
Are you more nervous bouncing the ball the first time or are you more nervous when my bold boy goes into the gates to have his first run for you guys? 100% more nervous when my bold boy goes into the gates to have his first run in a benchmark 58 at Gundagai because, like, this is an easy question to answer for me because when I'm standing over with the ball in my hand about to bounce it, everything's in my control. Whatever I do is up to me there. But when you've got Jason Lyon aboard my bold boy who is the most erratic five-year-old gilding going around. He's probably the fastest horse over the first 200 metres I've ever seen in my life, and then he just gasses it. But, um, yeah, that you got control in one and you've got no control in the other. I don't think there's any feeling like owning a horse, regardless of what level it's running at, just those nerves and, um, you know, how you feel on race day or the race week leading up. Because And that's why we love the game, isn't it? Spot on, mate. And that's why... To all people out there that who want to get a share, you don't have to have a big share. Um, the excitement, the exhilaration you get from when your horse does cross that line first, you can't match it. And you answered that question how I thought you would, but I just wanted to ask. I haven't obviously asked <laughs> yeah. you that before, but it's just, yeah, it's it's just an unbelievable feeling to have a horse, and then when they win, it's it's just it's second to none. So, all right, footy, we really appreciate giving up your time. I know you're off to a camp. Um, for the umpires, is it tomorrow? Yeah, we're off to we're off to Coffs Harbour. We um this this year for the camp. I believe the leadership group opted to go somewhere where the weather's fantastic and and really warm. And we're uh, I think we're twenty three and pissing down for four days. Um, so <laughs> so it's always the way, isn't it? So I don't know how my uh. 18 holes at Bonville looks on Monday, <laughs> but uh, I think I think it's going to be pretty wet and wild. As long as that calf holds up, mate, that's all I'm really concerned about. Now, are you going to be down over the carnival at all, or is the commitments in Melbourne just keep you there for our summer I'm carnival? A, I, I, I'm, I'm eyeing off, I'm eyeing off a trip down because I didn't get down over Christmas, so I'm keen to tie one in and yeah. uh, catch up with the family too. So it's definitely on the cards, but I'm just a week by week proposition. Unfortunately, the way that my career is <laughs> and the way that I roll at the moment, bear. Well, I can't recommend a weekend highly enough than Derby on the Friday night, have the Saturday off, and then get into the cup on the uh, Sunday. So um, you've got three weeks to plan that, mate. So I urge you to jump online and see if you can get yourself down here. Beautiful, mate. I'll certainly uh, I'll certainly make it if I can. All right. Thank you again, mate. We really appreciate giving you up your time and uh, look forward to listening to the Two Units podcast. It's a great racing podcast. It also gives you a lot of laughs. So thanks again for your time, mate. Thanks, Bear. Thanks, Snapper. Really good fella, Bear. Interesting fella. You can tell why he's good on the podcast. He's got the gift of the gab. He's pretty sharp. Uh, mm. The thing I took out of that, not only listening to sort of how he does the form and the racing landscape, but I guess it just goes to show how, well, the interest in, in Tasmanian racing that's kind of a lot bigger than our sort of little insular industry, which you kind of get caught up in when you're a part of it. Yeah, totally agree. Um just back to Nick, obviously, we thank him for giving up his time. He's, he's a very sharp man, and he says some words that I have no idea what they even mean. I just nod. So um, when blokes are doing that, they're very obviously very intelligent. It's just great that he's he's doing something that he loves, um, and he's been able to like make a, a career out of it now going forward. So hopefully he continues to do well, and if anyone's out there gets a chance to listen to his podcast, it's actually very humorous. Um, so, yeah, um, 
he uh, he's a good fella, and hopefully his calf's held up, snap, because obviously a bit of concern while he's on the camp. But um, no, nah, he's he's doing really well, and we really appreciate him giving up his time. And as you touch on, we try and shine a lot on Taz Racing for sort of this three month period, um, but. Obviously, it's getting out to the broader community, which is which is our aim, and obviously Nick follows it as well. Obviously, been an ex-Tasmanian, but as you touch on, mate, there's more people interested in Tas racing than I reckon people realise. Yeah, for sure, and I guess we'd encourage everyone listening to this podcast to, to have a listen to that one. Uh, subscribe if you're, you're keen on having a punt, as a lot of people are outside of the Tassie jurisdiction. Those blokes are very good judges. Uh, on to Sunday's program in Hobart Bear. It's an absolute beauty as far as feature races go. It, it, it's almost without peer this program in terms of the, the lineup. It, it probably Launceston Cup Day is the only other one, but we've now got five feature races. We will start with the headline act, which is for the two-year-olds. Uh, it's the listed Kevin Sharkey Elwick Stakes. The shoes on the other foot a little bit bare. I'm normally saying you're the one with the runners, but I've actually got a little bit of a share in, yeah. in one in this race. Uh, I'm not sure that it's going to win, but we'll touch on that a little bit later. Uh, the Elwick Stakes, the, the corporate snuck a market up for this one halfway through the Launceston program. Might have caught a few punters unsuspecting, and the market's been knocked into shape a little bit. Uh, Cairns is the 290 favourite. Did put up three forty. Thoris of Meyer is three dollars. Did put up two dollars forty five. Did Ladbrokes. Thespian Waters is three dollars ninety. They did put up eight dollars. Ladbrokes, and they might have even been a little bit bigger elsewhere. Need Sugar six fifty. Encounter Sphere nine fifty. This race bear. We discussed the two year olds. Probably won't necessarily say that they're a moderate bunch. I mean, there's been limited numbers we don't know necessarily how good they are and, and we'll learn a little bit more and I've, I've said that after basically every two-year-old race but we've got some exposed form I guess the the clear picks look to be Cairns and Thoris and Meyer and the wild cards Thespian Waters uh, lead us away with the Sunday's two-year-old feature. Yeah thanks Snap. Um, I, I think it's probably of the exposed it's pro- they're probably a very even lot Um I was going into Kansas' debut run. Well, obviously, we we're both keen on Thoris and Murr, but Cairns, you know, won pretty convincingly then. So I probably thought of the race brigade. Cairns was the one to beat, but obviously, you'd have to be blind, Freddie, to not have seen Thespian Waters' um, trial at Longford a couple of weeks ago, and it probably went up a little bit big in the market. Um, I think one of the corporates even went up as you touched on, slightly higher than $8, and it's been backed in accordingly. Whether that evened itself out close to the jump, you don't know. Um, just also out of the um, the trial, I actually thought it got beat quite a fair way in the trial, but Island Warrior wasn't the worst trial. Just uh, hard held, basically. Obviously got beaten a fair way by Thespian Waters two trials ago, but just thought, I'm not saying he can win on Sunday, but I just think it might be a horse that we can follow over the next 12 to 18 months. I know that's a long, long range chat there, Snap, but um, yeah, it might be okay, Island Warrior, but I, in this race, I'll be backing Thespian Waters and Cairns. Thespian Waters and Cairns, yeah. Look, I, I think they are the two. Uh, you mentioned Thoris and Meyer um, and the fact that we were very keen on that horse on debut. I think maybe given the market move there, 
uh, and what Thoris and Meyer did that night perhaps took away a little bit from the performance of Kant, who was extremely professional. She jumped, she kicked up, she held the rail, she did everything right, and she held a, a pretty reasonable margin back to uh, Need Sugar and Thoris and Meyer, who somewhat franked the form by running the Quinella in the Alexandra Plate. I know she hasn't raced since that run, Cairns, but you'd think that would have been a set plan by Barry Campbell, who's somewhat of a genius with these juvenile horses. So you'd assume that she'd take some improvement from that. I was pretty underwhelmed with the win of Thoris Meyer in the Alexandra Plate, where he, he did jump on the bunny, he found the rail, but he sort of shied at the whip and jumped sideways near the post and, and almost tossed that one away. I think barrier eight's a big negative for him there. He, he won't be able to cross to the fence. He's still got a lot to learn. So I can see why he came up favourite purely based on his $1.45 and $1.55 SPs, but I think there'll be a bit of a consensus to try and take him on, and, and I think he'll be the drifter, as we've already seen, 2.45 out to three. Just on the trial of... Uh, thespian waters bear one by seven uh just going back to the times on that day so julius was the fastest of the trials over 730 meters that day ran 4173 um and Thespian Waters ran 43.12, which was almost identical time to, to Kreglinger, who was scratched from the gates from a maiden on Devonport Cup Day when heavily supported. Miss Tula ran 43.07 there alongside Princess Matoaka. Miss Tula flopped in uh, Launceston on Wednesday night and, and Miss uh, and Princess Matoaka didn't get a run. Of course, they're older horses. So just trying to add that bit of context there that, the clock didn't necessarily back up the visuals as far as the dominance goes, but of course the horse is a two-year-old and we're comparing against older horses there. So the the devil's advocate for those not wanting to steam into thespian waters is, yeah, that yeah he he was dominant, but the time was only moderate and he doesn't have race experience and all those things as well. Uh, the runner I have a share in in this race, not in the form guide yet, we're just waiting on some paperwork, is Oxy Bolt. Um, we do think this horse has ability. Uh, he's primarily in this race for a bit of experience and I guess the, the lack of depth uh, to this contest. He went around at Longford on Tuesday, really pleased with how he jumped. That was a bit of a learning exercise there and um, he might be able to beat a couple home, but I think he's justifiably a big price here. Uh, this will be our $100 staking strategy race bear. I managed to pick up a little bit of ground on you in Devonport, 60 reward achiever, 40 on Swoop Dog. I got my staking wrong and ended up taking the bad price on the total. Swoop Dog was smashed. But <laughs> the running totals are now me, 530, you, 646. Uh, it's probably a difficult-ish race, this one, the Elwick Stakes, to try and extract a heap of value. The market's probably found the key, the, the main chances, but which way are you heading? I'm just going to take the cow's way out and have 50 on Cairns and 50 on Thespian Waters. They do look the two, don't they? Um, my market for this race, and it was a very difficult sort of race to assess because uh, I don't know what's under the hood of Thespian Waters. There's an extremely big spruik 
on him and, and he could just be a moral in this field for, for all we know. Um, I did have Cairns a slight favourite. I do tend to, to side with the, the race experience and, and that came to the fore even in the in the opening race in Launceston uh, on Wednesday night. I had Cairns at 310, Th- Thespian Waters 330. I was lucky enough to get a little bit of the early price thanks to you, Bear, for giving me a heads up. Uh, and Thoris and Meyer, I've got it um, 420. So a bit bigger than the market. I agree with you. They are the two, um, but in the interest of trying to create a bit of interest for this betting strategy, Bear, I might go 100 on Cairns. Uh, Smart play. And just see how we go there. I, I don't know what the market will do here. I mean, we've seen it with Thoris Admire just continuously bottoming out. I don't know where the floor might be to uh, Thespian Waters. I think it's probably stagnated a bit now as far as the early prices go, but um, whether the big players chime into that, I think he's a, he's a tough horse to line up from that trial because of what I said around the times versus the visual, but we'll see how yeah, we it's go. A fu- it's a funny one, Sap, isn't it? Like just with Thespian Waters, just to give an example, he's a spruik horse going into the meeting on Sunday. I got a text message from a guy I'm, Friendly with who works for Channel 10 in the, he's actually a sports reporter, but we won't drop his name in case his wife's listening in. He sends me a picture message of Thespian Waters in the bet slip. A mate from the VRC got tipped this. Do you have any thoughts? <laughs> so that is a random text to get on a Friday from Big Butsy, um, before he goes on air tonight. So, uh, yeah. Well, I so think, there you go. I think, yeah. And, and for that reason, I mean, it's just a hard one because I think there will be a lot of, sort of serious recreational punters, for lack of a better term. Maybe punters like you and I who'd, who'd be looking to have anywhere from, say, 100 to 500 on this horse. But whether the really big players that swing the market step into him, it, it'll be a tough one just because of that exposed form. But uh, it's a good race, the Elwick Stakes. Just looking at the honour roll, I mean, Bello Bow, Turk Warrior, uh, Mystic Journey, who's the, the photo pick for this week's pod, uh, Patina Arena, Double D, Top Notch, Admiral, Grand Tycoon, seriously good two-year-olds. Oh, it's an elite list. Yeah, I mean, we'll see whether this year's two-year-old um, is one of those, but you've got to be in it to win it, and who knows. Let's hope it's Oxy Bolt at 100 to 1 bear. Wouldn't that be well, something? Well, if it can't be Oxy, um, if Oxy wins, you need to make a little donation to my Derby Day Punners Club because uh, on your advice... We asked, I sent you a little text, what price would you take? And you told me. And so the, our Derby Day Punters Club have uh, launched into Thespian with a nice little bonus bet. So if uh, you can't get the chocolates, mate, hopefully Thespian can for our guys. Hopefully Thespian. Yeah, that was just an error. Whoever the price assessor there that's put up 8 or $9.00. I might have just got a little what the hell are you doing here mate when when that when that one when that one jumps probably closer to two or three bucks it'll be that, that, that might be uh yeah they'll be watching that one with a bit of beta breath but good race the Elwick stakes nice way to to kick off into the other feature races no particular order here bear but we might jump to probably the second of the main events it's the summer cup and it's worth a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, this year. It's another one that's um, managed to get a bump as far as the feature races go, which I really like to see. I think it's the final lead up to the Hobart Cup. It's always won by a good horse. Uh, And we've got a pretty good field here. Um, I think it's light on in terms of depth, but but big at the top end. We haven't got a market at the time of recording, which is Friday afternoon. It's nearly three o'clock. 
I think the key chances bear will be a Dark Dream, who comes over mm. from the Hayes stable. I'm told that he is stabling with Adam Trinder, a glass warrior who was dominant in the Brighton Cup. And then we've got the Devonport Cup form, headed by the winner there, Swoop Dog. Uh, the Summer Cup, we were... Mm. Well, actually, I might start by seeing what you want to give us. We, we thought you might have a runner in this race, Bond Street Bows, not in the field. No, Bond Street Bows no longer with our stable. Unfortunately, I don't want to go into it too much, but the, the main owner um, thinks it's in the best interest that the horse goes to Melbourne and is stable over there, so that's pretty disappointing. And obviously, when you've only got a 5% share snap, you don't have much say in where the horse goes. So, um, yeah, I'm no longer in – oh, well, I still name-wise are in Bond Street, but if there's anyone out there who wants to buy my 5% off off me, let me know. Um, but, yeah, it's disappointing he's on it, but that's racing. There's worse things going on in the world than a horse being taken away from you. But uh, – it's a cracking race, though, but I'm really, really keen on Glass Warrior here. I think Dark Dream being sort of eight years of age going on to nine probably needs a bit of giving the ground. I don't think you're going to get that on um, Sunday. And I'm, I was just um, captivated is probably a good word. Glass Warrior smacked him the other day and she drops a couple of kilos. Most of these go up four or five kilos. And I just think she's uh, <laughs> it's going to take a good one to beat her on Sunday. Yeah, we we spoke about this race on, on Nick had a look at this race uh, for us ahead of that chat and he kind of nailed it, didn't he, in terms of the key mm. chances. Just to the eye, Glass Warrior was absolutely outstanding. I mean, Elwick's a very difficult track to win like that in terms of taking a run and getting nothing to cut you in the race. So for those that, that might not be familiar with the layout, you sort of got to run up the hill as they go past what's now My State Bank Arena. You're pushing up the hill with nothing to take you into the race. And for her to still be strong uh, at the end of 2,100 metres, it, w- it was a super performance. And she's just a, a weighted special coming into this, a, a weight for age versus everything else that comes out of that race. Uh, as Footy said there, Dark Dream, one for 17 for the Hayes camp. I guess he's got the runs on the board. He's got $2.3 million in prize money, mm-hmm. so uh, that's pretty handy. I, I found him a little bit difficult to line up um, in terms of that form. I mean, he's been doing the, the country cup circuit and, and probably the secondary tier uh, circuit in Victoria. I don't think he's immoral by any stretch of the imagination. And I think Class Warrior is a pretty honest horse who has gone over to Melbourne and, and run some okay races at different stages. I think maybe she's been at the end of her preparations when she's gone over, so we didn't see the best of her either. But it was a good point raised to me by someone in the in the TAS Racing office in terms of the Summer Cup bear. With, with the prize money to 100000 this year, you'd normally look at this as maybe prelim semi-final weekend heading towards a Hobart Cup. The reality is that the the Cups are ripe for a horse to come over and win them this year. With 100000 on the line, I would be treating this like a grand final if I'm, say, a glass warrior in the understanding that it's probably unlikely I'll win a Hobart Cup. I want to go there, but something will come across and win this. And for that reason, I'm with you. I think she's clearly the best of the the locals, and I had her a clear favourite in this race. Uh, I marked her about – so i just go to the market. I had her at 340 
I had Dark Dream at 420. Uh, I had Travelling Gigolo was clearly next best at arrest at around 550. I, I know at the weights there he's pretty poorly treated, but he was very good in the yeah. Golden Mile, which means we can tie him back to Dramazing and a few horses like that. And you just know he's going to run the trip and he loves racing at Hobart. So I thought he was clearly third pick. What what do you make of the, the Devonport Cup form, uh, Swoop Dog, Rising Light, White Hawk, Dramazing? I probably had a a little knock on Swoop Dog at the 22. That's just my personal opinion. Um, White Hawk. I mean, obviously, we know he gets a trip. Probably barrier suits him, but whether he's past his best. Dramazing's probably a little bit of the unknown. I mean, I thought that was a really, really good run in the Devonport Cup. It's obviously drawn a little bit better now. Never been to the um, track before, so that's probably a little question mark. Um, but obviously, I think we... Dramazing, obviously, we both touched on, I think, when we had a chat that it was a really good run in the Devonport Cup, so... Um, yeah, that, that's the watch. But I, I'm agreeing with you. I, I probably think Travelling Gigolo is probably more of a main danger even than Dark Dream. I just think Dark Dream probably needs a bit of a softer track. But out of the locals, I think Glass Warrior clearly ahead of Travelling Gigolo. And I think the rest of them will all finish in a bunch. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned Rising Light as well. That was a great run in the Devonport Cup. Does it get 2,200, do you think? Oh, I think that's that's probably the query with all of them out of the, the Devonport Cup form, isn't it? And uh, it, it's probably why I've taken a little bit of a, a set against that form line, depending on what the market does. I think Swoop Dog, we just have to see it, don't we? Like, he's been given the absolute gun in the Devonport Cup in the last two years, and you wouldn't say he, he savaged 1880. Uh, I think Johnny Black is probably more obligated to to have it to throw have a throw at the stumps here now. Otherwise, maybe you're tipping him out and trying to win maybe a, a George Adams off a couple of months freshen. Perhaps yeah, you could still do that here uh, even if you fail. Rising light, I don't know, but you're right. His run in the Devonport Cup was enormous. Never better than three wide. Unfortunately, the gate beat him and. And Dharma said to me after the Devonport Cup when we were in the yard, he, he came up to me and said, do you reckon I'd win that if I didn't get the hip and shoulder? And I said to him, probably not. But watching the replay, I mean, you, you can make a pretty strong case uh, that she could have amazing. She was a, a huge run there mm. and still taking ground off them on the line. So she's a horse on the up. She gets to wait for age for the first time, Hobart for the first time, up in distance. Um, not sure she can win. But maybe she can run a placing with an eye to say dropping back to the minimum for a Hobart Cup where where maybe she can finish in the money. She's a really nice horse. So um, probably Bear not going any wider than, say, a, a Glass Warrior, Dark Dream and Travelling Gigolo for the quaddy and, and maybe only even put two of those three in. But, um, mm. yeah, good race. Good race, the Summer Cup in, yeah, in terms of the top and... Probably a, a pretty long tail, but nice that we've got that Devonport form line coming in to, to add a little bit of depth and a, a bit of an unknown to the race. Uh, we'll take a really quick break and we'll come back and preview the other three features. 
Ladbrokes' new bet ticker now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbrokes app and see where the big bets land. Get the down low on the download. Ladbrokes! Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Next to the features that we will preview, Bear, is the Kasaya Alice Millinery Lady Lynette over 1,100 metres, set weights and penalties. Probably got a standout here in terms of form, handicap rating. Uh, it's last year's Vamos winner, Take the Sit, who resumes here off a pair of sensational trials. We've got the carpet charge runner-up, Emily. She's here. Uh, a host of up-and-coming uh, mares in Fairy Magic, Queenborough Flyer, Donna's Day, the Quinella from this race last year, Jaja Chaboogie uh, finished behind Miss Tuppence, and then the Winsenberg winner, Dunbar Brody Power. So there's a few uh, storylines as such, but uh, which way are you leaning for the Lady Lynette? I suppose it's, t- it's tough, mate, without a market, isn't it? Like if Take the Sit went up a nice little price, obviously she's the class horse and, you know, she's given only two kilograms to Zade Stories, who's at the bottom rated runner and it's 30 handicap points away. So um, if they put a nice little price up, take this, it'll be keen. She's the class of the race. Um, she's see, see she had a couple of trials. So I'd say it's been a target kickoff point. And if she has any luck, I think she'd be too good for them. Yeah, she looks the one. We we spoke about those trial times at Longford on the 4th of January. Julius ran easily the fastest time of the session. The other two runners in that trial, not named Take the Sit, will peace be upon him, who has won, and Aushin Canson, who has won. 1,100 metres is short of Take the Sit's best, but um, there's every chance that, that she'll be too good here. Uh, I marked her $3 favourite. Um, I could see them putting up bigger. I could see them putting up shorter. Uh, she's the clear pick for me. And then I, I found it pretty difficult to to pick a second one here. Miss Tuppence doesn't appear to have really come up in the last mm. sort of couple of preps, unfortunately, Bear. I thought she was pretty plain uh, first up in Launceston. Yeah. She just doesn't seem to have that ping and, and turn of foot. She's racing a little bit dour. So, uh, I mean, Adam Trinder spoke uh, quite candidly in Launceston after the win of our Shinkansen about Miss Tuppence and basically said that. Um, I think they're more hopeful rather than confident about her. My gut feel is, is that this might be a, a bridge too far for the likes of Fairy Magic, Queenborough Flyer and, and Donna's Day who are trending the right way, but um, take the sits probably a level above. And even so is probably dumb Brody Power if you look at that Winsenberg yeah. form. I mean, Algernon... Second over, um, Liffy Bow was there and came out and ran a bottler in the carpet charge. Uh, the one I landed on a second pick, and I think she'll be there. And, and this horse is probably the hope in giving you a price about take the sit if you're keen there. And that's Emily, uh, who was a big run in defeat in the carpet charge. And uh, the market loves her. She started, started to sub uh, well, three tens, the biggest starting price she's had in her last four starts. So she's another one who's only lightly exposed in Hobart, but eight starts for Quinella four times is a pretty handy record. Yeah, it's a nice horse. What price did you have Fairy Magic marked at? Uh, about $9 for me. What I about? She leads and, and finds the front here, I think, and probably puts <laughs> the handlebars down. The thing with Fairy Magic that was a bit of a deterrent to her and they went very hard last time, but the, the time actually wasn't that quick. Um, 105.94 was a, a few lengths slower than I think 
uh, Miami's son that won on the same day. So she'll probably take improvement, but, yeah, I had her about a $10 chance here. What price do you have for Barno? Uh, Vibano, I had, I've got it $30 here, taking her on a little bit. Again, I think she'll be back. Um, you can make a case for her. She was 550 in the race behind Fairy Magic and, and hit the line really hard. Um, but yeah, I think taking her on a bit should be giving a start to some nice mares. Yeah, I just thought she might be stripping a little bit fitter and she obviously went via, um, Salt Cafe in Moona turning for home last start so um she was I thought she's actually a good run and um I know the stable's been they've always thought they'll sort of run short every time they go on the races I think she'd strip fitter on Sunday so if she was sort of put up around that 30 35 dollar mark she'd be all worth a couple of dollars each way but I'm pretty keen to take the sit here Sounds like Snapbet might need to reel in that $30 bear just to, <laughs> just to protect myself. Well, she, her, her profile is not ridiculously dissimilar to, say, a Miss Tuppence who came back in the field and, and swept past them here. So it's just whether it's that type of race that yeah. they can maybe get off the, get over the top. But uh, you'd think take the sit is probably too good in the Lady Lynette. Next of the features that we will take a look at, Bear, is the Aviso Taz Insurance Brokers 1,000 guineas, 75,000 on the line for this group of three-year-old fillies. Small but pretty select field here. Uh, we've got Jaguar Stone coming via the guineas. Pink Beauty is a last start Hobart winner, as is Cloudy Knights and Justin Needs. We've also got Flying to Paris, who was probably a good thing beaten in defeat when knocked off by your horse, Nico the Greek. Thousand guineas, Bear. This is one that I think punters might go a few different ways. I, I touched on those five there. I think they probably are the main five, no disrespect to the other three, but give us your take on the thousand guineas. I've been waiting for Jaguar Stone to get to a Phillies only race, and we get that on Sunday. It's drawn a little bit sticky, but I just think, yes, a couple of horses in the race look to have a fair bit of upside, but I think Jaguar Stone, Troy Baker will take off at the 600, round them up, turn it for home and say, see you later, boys and girls. Well, she, he won't say see you later, boys, unless he's talking to the other jockeys. No, I was talking to the jockeys. <laughs> I wasn't talking about the horses. I was talking about his fellow colleagues on top of the horse. Good save. Well, that. Talking to, uh, sorry, <laughs> listening to Adam Trinder on Taz Racing TV the other night in the interview I referenced earlier, he said they'll probably ride Jaguar Stone a, a bit colder. Uh, he thought maybe she was a, ridden a little bit close last time, which is maybe why she won batted a little bit in the guineas. So you can probably expect her to be ridden the way that, that you just described there, Bear. Um, I was disappointed with her run in the, in the Tassie guineas. I, I know... I guess if if you are being forgiving, it it is just that it's that she's a horse that needs to be allowed to settle and and work through her gears and wind up. But she settled on the back of the leader and a, and eventual winner in a very slow lead pace and and really didn't ping from there. Maybe she's better ridden a little bit further out, but she did take a few inside runs in, in Launceston earlier in the campaign. So I'm inclined to to take her on a little bit. I'm pretty keen on the chances here of Justin Needs, who was a huge run in the three-year-old trophy. Uh, back and wide, she had to come around the field. She ran fifth there. Uh, she then dropped back to maiden grade, was backed accordingly and won accordingly. 
over 1,400 metres in what was a, a track record at the time. It only lasted a couple of races, but it was good time there. She beat Berserker, who came out and won in Launceston. Uh, she draws four here for Brendan McCool, who goes aboard, riding at 56 kilos. And if we go back to the interview that we did with him a few weeks ago, Bear, he basically said, mm, I can probably get down to 56 at a pinch, and, and perhaps she can take a lead if I get down to 56. Mm. So the light bulb's gone off there for me. I think she maps really well to be in the front half here in a race where there doesn't look to be a stack of speed. Pink Beauty will probably look to try and do what she did last time and dictate from the front, and, and she'll be there a long time if she can be. Uh, flying to Paris, barrier one, bandages go on for the first time. Hopefully nothing too severe there, but she did protest unsuccessfully last time. She did have a chance in, in the three-year-old trophy to run second behind Bellow Bow. Obviously, he's just better than our three-year-olds. Wasn't going to win, but had the right run to run second there and um, probably no luck last time. But um, flying to Paris lands in the first couple, but I'm just looking towards a, another couple here and I think Justin needs. And the other one I could probably be with if, if the prices allow bears, Cloudy Knights, uh, who... Yeah was a big run when winning last time. Had to round them up off a slow tempo beat. Did you decide who uh, came out and won next start as well? So like I said earlier with this race, there's a few different angles and I think you could kick up for probably five of them. But the two I'm leaning towards strongly just the needs with the saver on Cloudy Nights. Yeah, and obviously Cloudy Nights is the only horse in the race that's won over the mile. So I think you have to take that in consideration when a lot of these are getting to the mile for the first time. Yeah, and you'd think this is probably these are our contingent that might head towards races like the Strut and the Oaks and and have to try and fight off the mainlanders that might be looking to come across. Last of the features, Bear, one of the all-time greats, GG's Black Flash, has been honoured with a, an 1,100-metre race worth $75,000. I mean, he, he probably most famously known for his staying triumphs, but he did win over the sprint journeys early in his career, Jesus Black Flash. Uh, this is a race for three-year-olds only. Again, no market. Fear the Sting gave the 1,100-metre track record a bit of a scare, went within a length of it, I think, when winning a maiden here last start. A bold instinct, had no luck in the three-year-old cup. Last time, Gigi Jetby, uh, one of the best two-year-olds last season, is here. Sistine, a nice last start winner, as is Miami Sun. They probably look to be the key chances. Nice win by Fear the Sting Bear. Uh, managed to sting us and plenty of others mm. when she went under in Launceston. But if you stuck fat, uh, she well and truly did the job last time. And Zulu Angel's given that form a bit of a push. It has. Just a question without notice here, Snap. Um, oh, I think it's great that the club's putting on a, a race in honour of one of our greatest ever Tasmanian horses, and obviously the prize money is great. Why is the Carbine Club just being changed to just to be called a handicap on Derby night and still be only worth thirty thousand? Like over the years, the Carbine Club has been a pretty prestigious race for three-year-olds on Derby Day or Derby night, and I just was looking through and obviously seeing this race come up, and I think it's a fantastic innovation to have such good prize money. But I think I just can't work out why the Carbine Club's just called the three-year-old handicap now worth 30. So anyway, that's just a thought for another day. I'm not sure if you've got an answer for that at all. Well, I think, I think the, I think the Carbine Club 
handicap, I guess, will still be known as the Carbine Club handicap. It does carry a Tazbred bonus as well. So if you're a Tazbred horse, I guess it's essentially worth 50 is all I can say in relation to that. Okay. All right. We'll just leave it at that then. Um, yes, now nah, fear the sting will be very well found in the market. I actually love the trial of Bold Instincts. Um, I love the engagement of Brendan McCall, and I, I think uh, it'd be nice if they put up sort of four or five dollars there, and that's the one I'd be pretty keen on. And I actually thought Sistine was a really solid winner last start as well. So um, I'm inclined a little bit to risk the sting from Barrier Nine. I think Perez will have to work pretty hard as if he is to find the top. But just think from the barrier, Brendan might be able to kick up and hold him out. Yeah, I'm with you, Bold Instinct. Uh, Thought he was really good first up with 51 kilos. Chloe in the saddle, chased home Bellow Bow and Jaguar Stone, only one and a half lengths behind there. Drew shocking in the three-rod trophy. And that was a pickup ride for Cody Jordan because Dean Yendall's flight was cancelled. Senior rider goes back on here, as you said, uh, pretty good trial there at Longford in what was, uh, I think, the second fastest time for that session. It was uh, barrier two, favourable. Fear the sting, just a real stinger in terms of the draw bear, isn't it? Like she's probably going to have to try and spear across the field. If she can, uh, she showed last time. I mean, 105.35 is probably going to be good enough to win this race if she's able to get across and she might just be too fast for them um you'd think in a field this size and there does look to be a bit of speed that she might have to be gassed a little bit as you say 16 form was frank frank by nico the greek i I just think 1100 might be a little bit sharp for her she'll be strong late but uh i'd rather her at at 1200 for this race but yeah i'm pretty keen on on bold instinct I'm, i'm with you there i think he ticks a few boxes Winkers, Gate, McCool, nice trial. Uh, has had a run in Hobart. Um, yeah, we might be able to get a price there if, if they go up pretty short. Fear the sting, but really good program on Sunday, Bear. Are you, you heading out? Yeah, I'll head out. I'm definitely, I've got, we deserve this is in race three, so I'll um, be out there for him. And he's up in class a bit, but he's fit and well, and he might be able to run into a place. But yeah, I mean, why would you not go if you've got nothing on? Why wouldn't you go if you haven't got anything on? Like it's a cracking day of racing and obviously the pod's probably going to be our longest pod, but when you've got good races like this to discuss, there's just no, we can't do much about the time the pod takes. So hopefully everyone driving down from up north listens in on Sunday and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out there and obviously after this, we've got sort of nearly less than three weeks to Hobart Carp and Derby night. So um, it's a nice little prelude. Yeah, it's going to be a beauty. I've no official capacity out there other than coming out to try and collect the Elwick Stakes trophy with with the hundred to one pop I've got. So yeah, beautiful. Uh, Bev will be doing Taz Racing TV and uh, doing a, a great job as he always does. Uh, Bears brief this week. Well, we thought that you used up your airtime with the chat with Nick Foot uh, Bear, so yes, you're you're just taking a, a week off from Bears brief and and Snap Special. <laughs> I'll keep it brief. I just wanted to uh, touch on what's happening on King Island this week with the, the Miners' Rest Cup. Now, I've I've never been to King Island. I've probably mentioned it on, on the podcast this before, but everyone that, that goes to King Island just couldn't speak highly of it, enough of it, and 
there's been uh, a huge amount of interest in this year's season, driven by six prominent Victorian stables, mainly Henry DeWye, but he managed to get on board Kieran Maher, Tony and Calvin McAvoy, Andrew Noblet, Andrew Bobbin and Archie Alexander. They basically purchased six slow horses. They've been going around at King Island with the eye to all race against each other for this minus rest cup. They managed to get six corporate partners to come on board. It's worth $20,000 and basically anyone who's anyone in, in racing media and, and whatnot will be heading to King Island this weekend for what promises to be a, a terrific weekend. I think they'll enjoy uh, the sights of King Island and everything that, that goes on there. And the aim is that uh, something similar will, will happen every year. And, just to put my company hat on a little bit, um, I guess there's it's easy to throw rocks at, at Taz Racing and when King Island was struggling, there's sort of a, a school of thought that Taz Racing doesn't do anything to support racing over there. Uh, Taz Racing provides a couple of hundred thousand dollars annually to support racing on King Island along with rider and race day staff flights and transporting uh, while well, covering the cost of horses to and from the island, not only both the Tasmania and Victoria. So there's a lot that Tas Racing does to ensure that the show goes on on King Island, understanding that they're non-TAB meetings that don't necessarily generate anything in terms of revenue for the industry. So uh, there's a lot of expenditure there without income. So uh, it's been great that a lot of sponsors have got on board for that this year and Taz Racing have come to the parties. They always do. So everyone that's heading to King Island on Saturday for that race meeting, I'm sure they'll enjoy the local brews, the local beef, the local seafood bear. I'm not a seafood man myself, but I'd be smashing the steaks, that's for sure. And oh, yeah. uh, I'd be looking to get on those golf courses. Uh, when I get over there, I'll be taking the sticks, that's for sure. Well said, Snap. Hopefully one day they might fly you and I over there to do the pod from over there or something. Jeez, oh, we're just trying to get you into the corporate box at the Chargers first before yeah. we can get to Chargers. Not the, char- not the Chargers, the uh, the Jack Jumpers. Which, the, All the right, cha- you, you, haven't, you haven't got many more games unless I'm at the finals to get me in there. But if you can sneak me in there, mate, I'll be greatly appreciated. I reckon I can definitely get you into the charges though if the Jack Jumpers doesn't doesn't go through. <laughs> Should mention too that that Labbrokes have a market up on that uh, Miners Rest Cup. A horse called a Freedy is even money favourite. I can't do, tell you anything about the maps or what might win or if that's value, but they do have a market if you're looking for a bet. Uh, we've only got markets on the one race bear, but um, have you got a best for Hobart on Sunday? Yeah, I'm very keen glass warrior. And I think in race two, I think Banker Tom's nearly ready to win. I love the fact Taylor Johnson could take three kilos off. I reckon there's a fair bit of pace in this race. And I think Tom's getting fitter with every run. I think he'll swoop down the middle of the track and I have to get the money for us. Love it. Really good betting card in Hobart on Sunday. I think it's going to really set the scene. We're right into the thick of it. Basically, the the feature cups we rolling around. We will next record ahead of that Friday program uh, next week. There, it's the Launceston Guineas uh, and the Ladbroke Stakes, and then we've got a little bit of a break then in, in the calendar. Uh, be nice just to recharge before uh, we. I think we roll into well, nearly the Derby. I think we've got Gold Sovereign, and then we'll be into Derby in the Cup. Look forward to it. Getting very, very excited. <laughs>